as many of you know, I grew up in Tabor City and grew up on a farm outside of, uh, of Tabor, uh, about 10 miles out towards the beach. And I went to Godway Elementary. Uh, I've said before that our school was set up so that you started in kindergarten on one end of the building, and as you moved, you crossed the hall zigzagging until you got to the other end of the building in eighth grade. So it was K through eight. And uh, even the eighth grade classroom was, you had to get in from the outside. It was on the porch on the other, other end of the building. So we had recess. All of you had recess when you were in grade school. And sixth, seventh, and eighth would have recess together. And we would go out to either the basketball courts and play basketball or we would go to the baseball field and play baseball. And uh, the girls would sit on the sidelines and they would cheer us on as the guys would play. Uh, when you got to eighth grade, you got to be the captains of the teams. And so on the way down to the field, um, the captains uh, would talk. And so one day I was one of the captains and on the way down, um, the other captain said, Look, if, if, if you won't pick Robert first, you can have the first pick. Now, now, Robert was a guy in our class. He had come in sixth grade, so he had been there for three years. But, but he had been held back before in, in the earlier grades. And, and Robert was a head or more taller than everyone else. He was stronger than everyone else. He was bigger than everyone else uh, because of his age and so I, I said sure that sounds like a deal so we we got to the baseball field because we were going to play baseball that day and um the, the other guy said uh so marty has the first pick and i said i choose robert and he said wait wait just a minute you said you wouldn't pick him i said i had my fingers crossed <laughs> y'all y'all know that right you know, you, if you cross your fingers, man, it just takes care of everything. It, yeah, it's still a lie, I think. So there's a survey that was taken, and um, the survey was, does America lie? And in the survey, they asked the question, if you give an oath or you swear by what you're saying, then people said, yeah, if you do that, if you swear and you take an oath, then you're probably going to tell the truth. Over 80% said that most people would, would, would tell the truth if they're going to swear or take an oath. And then they asked the question, well, what about if they don't take an oath? Any guesses of the percentages of people that said people would lie, it was north of 50% that people in America said, look, people lie. It, it, what they tell you that they may do or that they may uh, live into may not be true. And so we all know that sometimes 
handshakes, verbal pledges that are made, uh, written promises sometimes that, that say, I will guarantee to do this, doesn't mean that everyone is going to follow that. Um, our society has eroded into a place where honesty and, and truth it has a place in some places, but in others, it doesn't. And, and it stands in sharp contrast to what the scriptures tell us. But because the scriptures tell us that we're to be truthful, and we're not to lie. And, and we're to be a person of our word. And, and so when we as a Christian speak, it should be truth. It should be that our yes is our yes, and our no is our no. We shouldn't think twice about that. But unfortunately, even in the church, that is the case. Today, we continue in the Sermon on the Mount series, and we are still in chapter 5, and we're going to be reading this morning, if you want to turn there, 5, 33 through 37. And Jesus' teaching and this section we have titled uh, A Matter of the Heart, and this is the third part. As you remember, there are six different movements in this section on the Sermon on the Mount, and, and I've combined four of the six. So, um, as you would know, there's one more uh, to come. But this is uh, part three of Matter of the Heart. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 5, verse... 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vow to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is the footstool of his feet. Or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be, yes, yes, or no, no, Anything beyond these is of evil. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds for what you would hold for us through this, your holy word. We pray this in your name. Amen. And so as we look at this section, we look at Jesus' instructions we see the heart of the matter is that we are to speak truth. We're to speak truth in all things. In verse 33, as the other passages in this section, Jesus says, you have heard it said, or in this case, you have heard the ancients were told that you shall not make false vows, but shall feel, fulfill your vows to the Lord. Now, Jesus is quoting uh, very closely to what the scribes and the Pharisees are teaching, 
what they are sharing as, as they lead in the synagogues. Leviticus 19.12 would be one of the things that they would quote and teach. You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. In Numbers 30, verse 2, If a man vows to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by, an, by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So it appears that the, the scribes and the Pharisees are teaching it actually what is in Scripture, that you, you can make a vow to the Lord. The, the thing is, is Jesus is actually also teaching that if you make that vow, then you keep it. Condemnation was not against taking oaths, but against breaking them, about making a false oath with the intent of breaking it. Look at what the law says, Deuteronomy 10.20. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. When we read chapter 5 verses 34 through 36, we get a sense of what the, the Pharisees are teaching. And so what they are teaching is, oh, if you swear by Jerusalem or, or you swear by this or you make an oath about this and, and they're adding heaven and earth and all of these different things in about making your vow and it's going to make it truthful. And Jesus is saying, oh, no, 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 no. This is not the case. You're twisting the scriptures of old, you've heard it say it said, but I tell you, you don't make these oaths. You, you don't do this. And, and if you remember in verse 20, as I told you, that verse 20 says, For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And so our righteousness as believers in Jesus are to be righteous given, rightly given. This was important to Jesus. So if we, if we fast forward a little bit and we go to Matthew 23 and we look at some verses there, we will see how important this was to Jesus about what the scribes and Pharisees were teaching and how they were teaching wrongly about oaths. Picking up with verse 23 in chapter 23. Let me go back. 16 through 23. Let me pick up with 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, that is nothing. But whoever swears by the gold in the temple is obligated. You fools and blind men, which is more important, the goal or the temple that sanctified the gold. And whoever swears by the altar, 
that is nothing. But whoever swears by the offering on it, he is obligated. You blind men, which is more important, the offering or the altar that sanctifies the offering? Therefore, whoever swears by the altar swears both by the altar and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears both by the temple and by him who dwells within it. And whoever swears by heaven swears both by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. Do you catch what's going on? The, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they're, they're picking and choosing what you can swear on and what they say is right or what is not, what is binding and what oaths are not binding. In other words, they are picking and choosing of what is truth or not or what can hold someone to the truth. And that should sound familiar to us because it's exactly what we do today. We pick and choose what we consider to be truth. We pick and choose what we want to stand on and then what, oh, well, maybe that doesn't have the same importance as this does. There is no such thing as a non-solemn vow. There is no such thing as a non-solemn vow. Every vow that a person makes is binding. And, and, and Jesus here is, is reminding us that everything is from him in chapter 23. It doesn't matter whether it's the altar table or the offering or the temple or the goal. All of it is his. And if you're going to swear on it, you're going to swear by him that this is all his. The truth is to come out of our mouth. The truth is to be on false in any way. And Jesus here is reminding us, and you, you see it in verse 37, let your yes be your yes, let your no be your no. And he says anything beyond that, anything beyond that is just from the evil one. Often in scripture when um, I believe God wants to emphasize, he repeats things. And so here Jesus has said, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Well, guess what? If you were to turn to James 5 and go to verse 12, here's what Jesus' brother writes. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or anything else. Let your yes be your yes and your no be your no, or you will be condemned. And, and so... For a second time in Scripture, not just Jesus saying it, but Scripture is telling us, look, you don't have to swear by all of these things. Let your yes be your yes, your no be your no. Tell the truth and stand on the truth. So the question would be, can a Christian take an oath? 
if you are familiar with the Jehovah Witnesses, if you are familiar with the Mennonites, both of those religions believe that you are not to swear or take oaths. If you were, they, they will not swear on the Bible. They will not say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, or nothing but the truth, so help me God. And they certainly take it from Scripture. And, and you know, I, I don't have an issue with that. I, I can respect that view because of what Jesus is saying, but I also believe that this text that is here is a reminder to us that Jesus is uh, concerned about truthfulness because he's hearing what the Pharisees and the scribes are saying and how they're teaching. And so I, I'm, I'm just not sure that Jesus is opposing here swearing, though there's no reason to swear when he says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. But, but why would I say that? I would say that because the Bible tells us that God swears. He swore to Abraham. Go to Hebrews 6 and read verses 13 through 17. And you will see that the Hebrew writer actually says that, that God swears to Abraham. He's going to fulfill the promise that he has promised Abraham. Paul takes an oath to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 1.3. That as God is my witness, I'm going to return to you. Matthew 26, verses 63 and 64. Jesus himself testifies under the oath before the Sanhedrin at his trial. And so, while I certainly believe you can be right in saying, I'm not going to swear or take an oath. But there are, there are certainly cases where we see that that takes place in Scripture. And, and I believe that sometimes we kind of look at the, the majors instead of the minors or vice versa. And Jesus here is looking at what the scribes and Pharisees are teaching. And he is saying, speak the truth. Speak the truth and nothing else. So why is it that we fail to do that as believers? It's because we do have a fallen nature. And yes, we are transformed into the likeness of Christ as we give our life to Christ. But that temptation to sin, uh, Satan continues to tempt us. And so as believers, we are not always truthful. But when we sin, when we lie, when we fail, God calls us to ask for forgiveness, to seek him in repentance and confession, to remember that our yes is to be our yes and our no is to be our no. You may be saying, I don't, I don't tell lies i don't i don't tell any of that well let me just give you or ask you a few questions and it may not apply to you we may have everyone in our congregation that is truthful in all things at all times in all ways so your friends call you on the phone tonight and they say to you you know 
I'd really love to meet y'all for, for supper. And you say, oh, I'm sorry, we've got other plans. Oh, well, maybe we can do it another time. And you hang up, and your wife says to you, who is that? Oh, it was, it was such and such. They were inviting us to supper tonight. Well, what did you say? Well, I told them we had other plans. Well, we don't have other plans. I didn't want to go. I wanted to watch the game. I wanted to watch the movie that's coming on the night. I, I, I wanted to do this. Well, why didn't you say the truth? Oh, we're afraid to hurt someone's feelings. We're withholding hurting their feelings, and so it's okay to lie if you're going to not hurt someone's feelings. You've seen the commercial with good old Abe Lincoln, and his wife walks through the room, and she says, how does this look? And he says, I cannot lie. <laughs> and he says something about how it looks. Um, I don't know that we're always that truthful. Do we exaggerate on anything? Do, in our business dealings, are we honest? Um, when this time of year comes around, all of us have some responsibility to the IRS and our taxes. Do we fudge in any way? Do we lie to get someone off of our backs? Those are just, just a few questions, just a few things. Sometimes we have really good intentions when we lie because we tell ourselves we're sparing feelings of our friends or someone else. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I am. I, I really think God still thinks that's a lie. I really do. Because he says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Pastors lie. Not all pastors, but sometimes they do. I read a story this week. It was interesting. Um, so a, a pastor went to a particular church and he was um, preaching a revival. And I don't know if you've been to revivals like this, but... Uh, the pastor's preaching at the end they give an altar call or either they during their prayer ask you to lift your hand and so this pastor had finished his sermon he asked everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes and he began to pray and during his prayer he said now if you want Jesus to come into your life I want you to lift your hand I see that hand he said oh yes and I see that hand and that hand in the back there I see the problem was the pastor of the church was in the back. And, and he didn't close his eyes during the prayer. He was watching just to see how the response was from his congregation. And, and there were no hands that were lifted. Do we tend to exaggerate sometime or say some things that we shouldn't or Jesus says, whatever comes out of your mouth should be true. And so the scripture tells us that we are to confess and repent of our sins. Uh, so, so maybe the, 
the phrase would be this, Jesus, I'm not always a liar, but I am sometimes. And those times that I lie, Father, please forgive me and, and help me through the power of your Holy Spirit to strive to let my yes be my yes and my no be my no. So how can we do this better? How can we live into what Jesus is calling us to be and to do as believers? How can we do this better? One way is to hold one another accountable. And as believers, we should do that. The scriptures tell us to confess our sins and failures to one another. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to each other. James 5.16, a little further in the chapter that I read a while ago, tells us to confess our sins to one another. And you're saying, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. I don't know about that. And I will tell you, you've got to be cautious to, of who you confess your sins to because in many churches, I'm sure it's not here, but in many churches, people love to gossip. And so if you tell them your sins, you may find out before you get home that you're getting a call and everybody in the church has heard what your sin is. I, unfortunately, that happens sometimes. So who do we confess our sins to besides the Lord? If we're to confess our sins to, to other Christians, I would say it's to those that you trust, those that you know you can trust. When our brothers and sisters that we trust that we know that love us, that want the best for us, says to us, hey, Bruce, how are, you, how are you doing? Is there anything that I can pray for you about? And if Bruce just says to me, nope, everything's good, I'm fine, and he's holding back, it's a lie. Are we willing to open up and share that so that I can pray for him and encourage him and lift him up to the Lord in whatever is going on in their life? And, and we need to be reciprocal in, in that on both sides. Chuck Swindoll says that he meets with two or three men on a weekly basis. And it's his, account, it's his uh, accountability group. And they have five questions that they ask every time they get together before they, they start. And here are the five questions. He says, each of us have to answer these questions. Number one, have you read your Bible and prayed each day since our last meeting? Number two, have you obtained money in any way that was inappropriate? Number three, have you been in any situation with another woman that you do not want your wife to know about? Number four, have you viewed any pornography? So that's the first four questions that all the men in his accountability group have to answer before they begin their, their discussion together. 
Oh, there was a number five, right? Remember, I missed that. Number five, have you lied to us in your answers to the first four questions? <laughs> Accountability. We are to confess our sins before God and one another to those in whom we trust. Why is it important? Why is Jesus teaching and preaching during this sermon about truthfulness? It's because we are the ambassadors. We are the ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors. We represent him here on earth. And people look at us and they look at the church and, and they wonder what in the world because they see the church in, in a different light so often. The church in so many ways has lost its credibility. We see so many pastors that have moral failure or spiritual failure in some way. Uh, we, we ourselves, as believers, as congregants of the church, as the body of Christ, people see that Either the scripture or what we say or how we live our life is not conducive to the gospel. It's not conducive to what Jesus, what the scriptures tell us. Is it any reason that our society today looks at the church and says, Oh, they just want to be a bigger organization or have more buildings or get more money? Is is it that the pastor just needs that Learjet? I'm meddling now, I guess. Is it any wonder of how the church has lost its credibility when we don't live into what we are called to be and to do? When, when we say that the scripture is God's word, but yet we begin to say, well, that part is not, or, or this really doesn't live into what I believe, and so I don't think really, I think God's changed his mind on those things. But this is truth, but this is not. And, and when we start doing that, whose truth is this? Is it ours, or is it God's? Is it any wonder that our integrity has been lost in many cases with many people when it comes to the church or even individually as Christians? As Christ's ambassador, as Christ's representative, we cannot afford to lose our integrity. It is a valuable asset as we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. As truth. If we believe that Jesus is the Son who came, who lived and died and was raised from the dead so that we would have life in Him, if that is truth to us, then that is where we stand. So, so let me do this in closing. Just, I want you to think about this. So, I mentioned James earlier. I want to mention James again. And, and, and so 
we need to understand that the Lord wants us to let our yes be our yes and our no be our no. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to chapter 4 of James. I want to read verses um, 13 through 16. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such city and spend a year there and engage in business and make profits. You do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just like a vapor that appears for just a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or do that. But but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. If the Lord wills. James reminds us that we are not guaranteed tomorrow. And we can swear or we can make an oath or we can just say, yes, I'm going to do that tomorrow. But we don't know what tomorrow holds. And James says, Maybe you ought to think about saying, the Lord, if the Lord wills, I will do this. Now, I've heard somebody say, and they've said it to my face, this is nothing more than you taking it out. In other words, Suku tells me that she's going to call me tomorrow, and we're going to have a great discussion on Scripture. And Suku says, if the Lord wills. And she doesn't call me tomorrow. And so was that out? Do I just assume, okay, the Lord didn't will for her to call me? There's some responsibility on our part when we say, if the Lord wills, she should call me and say, I'm sorry, but David's sick, and I can't have that discussion today. My life has changed. You, you see what the Lord is saying? You see what James is saying? Yes, tomorrow you intend, you make that promise, it's a truth that you intend. If you can't live into that truth, let someone know, don't just abandon it. Because for them, all you did was make a promise that you didn't intend to keep, or you lied about. If the Lord wills. Friends, the world around us does not think twice about whatever they want to allow to come out of their mouth if it suits them. From our politicians down to our lowest common denominator within our society of how we live, so many live into if it suits me or my agenda or benefits me, then I will say whatever I want to say. And Jesus absolutely says, no, that is not acceptable. As Christians, you're to let your yes be your yes and your no, your no. Our yes should always mean yes and our no 
should always mean no. You see, there's actually no gray area. You can't straddle the fence. Truth is truth, and it's where we stand. And it's where Jesus is telling them to stand. May the Lord give us such a deep commitment to honesty, truth, to truthfulness, that we would commit today that whatever comes out of our mouth is nothing but truth. And it comes from the heart because our heart has been changed by the Savior we have surrendered to. May we live into if the Lord wills and make sure that we follow up when necessary because it's all a matter of the heart of how we live into the salvation that God has called us to over and over in this sermon Jesus is teaching on the side of the mountain yes a multitude the disciples but he's given us this word for us, and it has meaning today for us in our society. Let your yes be your yes, simply, and your no, your no. May it be so. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this passage. Um, it, it is so easy to get caught up in the things of this world. It is so easy to let those things slip out of our mouth because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings or we don't want to stand on that particular truth. But Father, you have called us to be truthful in all things. And so, Father, I, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you'd lead and guide us. Father, you would give us understanding to your word as it's taught and preached and read. And Father, that we would live into the call that you've placed on our life, to be ambassadors, to be a reflection of Christ in a lost world, so that our integrity and our credibility is such that when we say things about Jesus, others will hear and believe because of who you are and by the power of your Holy Spirit. May it be so, Father. May it be so. We pray this in your holy name.